December 12, 2021. It's for Pedro Show. Why do you think there's been all this um, hostility to the new music, especially in your case? Oh, man, I, I never could figure it out, you know. And uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't even venture to answer it, and I just because uh, as, as as I told them then, I just felt that they didn't understand. <laughs> Do you feel that they were making? Well, I feel that they don't, didn't understand. Do you think that they were making uh, as conscientious and as thorough an attempt to understand as they could have? At times, I didn't feel they were because I, I did uh, offer to them. I didn't think in this article and downbeat, I asked, I asked if any of you men were interested in uh, you know trying to understand. Let's get together and let's talk about it. You know. I felt that they were really genuinely interested or thought there was something here that they, instead of just condemning it, what you don't know about, we want to discuss it, let's talk about it. But no one ever, you know, came for them, so I don't think they were really, they didn't want to know what I had to say about it.
Live from Pedro Show. Happy Sunday. Uh, yeah, it's deja vu all over again. <laughs> we started with John Coltrane talking to Frank Kosky about hostility towards the new muse. November 66. Relevant then, relevant now. Then PCRV with crowded and deep cuts to the arms. Because of those Estonian software engineers with their scab invention. I got with us from Billings, Montana. With Matt Taggart. Welcome aboard, Matt. Hey, thank you. It's Absolutely. a real pleasure. And we got to give credit Tom Dill for the connect. So, very curious about your journey through music. So, please bring your earliest musical recollection memory. Oh, geez. Probably the one that sticks with me the most is listening to Devo's Freedom of Choice. Um, Second album. So, Second, what's that? Second album. Yep, 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 yep. Listening to Whip It over and over and over on my parents' <laughs> record player. So, But that was kind of a hit for them, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, dancing around in my diapers in the <laughs> living room. So, okay. okay. You were, what's his name? Bougie Boy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember they had a cat? Uh, actually, I think their own label in Ohio was called Bougie Boy Records or shit or something. Anyway, uh, they ended up mutato, right? Doing uh, like Rugrats stuff. Kind of. I, I, I met uh, Mr. Mother's Bow. Thick glasses. Interesting cat, though, very much. So uh, the pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? You know, there wasn't musical instruments up until, you know, I was like in fifth grade when, you know, band was an option. But my parents loved music. I mean, we listened to music constantly, but um, it seems like the players in my family were more distant relatives. Um, you know, my parents personally, my little sister played saxophone through high school and I played trumpet and bass guitar. So it was. Uh, ah, so you were involved it, with the school music. Yep. Yep. In the trumpet, were you, you marching band? Um, you know, by the time I got into marching band, I was playing bass. So I, I was relegated to cowbell because, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can't carry a string. Exactly. Yeah. Was there's string not bass? enough extension cord. Yeah, uh, just electric, oh, all electric. electric okay, so okay. that's kind of neat, though. The band had an electric bass. Yeah, it was kind of the kind of was the first band in our area i don't you know that had an electric bass guitar in a concert band setting so yeah, you know trippy. like uh like the soundtrack to hair or, or you know right yeah, so I, I actually played a, a production based on a production of hair at and, a and you know that bass band i think was joe osborne maybe well, well well like fifth dimension did some covers right like aquarius and let the sun shine and i think joe osborne's on that flatwounds with a pick great sound yeah cat from uh Guitar man, you know, in those days, a lot of guitar guys to get work because no one wanted to rock the bass in uh, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. I think James Burton brought him to Hollywood or something. That same bass he bought, he used the whole time, changed the strings once and had to change them back. He said, fuck that. <laughs> uh, we lost him a couple of years ago, but he's he a good bass man. Uh, these boots are made for walking, you know, inventive kind of stuff. Uh, what was your first bass? You know, I think it was a, like a precision bass knockoff. I think if I remember correctly, the company was made was Terra, T-A-R-A. And I could be wrong about that. But yeah, it was a black P-bass clone. Yeah. Um, you know, that was I, I started on guitar like probably many of bass players did. And, you know, having being in a band that needed a bassist, I, I you know, said, OK, I'll do that. Yeah, and, <laughs> So that's what I'm saying. Um, that's what's really different about James Jamerson because he actually comes from the stand-up. He doesn't come from the guitar guys looking for work. No, nothing wrong with that. All paths lead to God, to today, whatever. But uh, I'm curious. Uh, 
your first amp. You know, I'm a little prejudiced towards bass, so I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> my my first amp was <clears throat> a little. Oh God, what was it? I think it was a little PV practice amp. Okay. Um, but then our school had a had one. I don't. Even... Uh, you know what I got to ask you first out uh, music that you bought because I see record that dates me right. Everybody says, "What? Why?" The first record you bought with your own money. I said it anyway. <laughs> oh my God. I... I think Belinda Carlisle. The go-go she, singer. Yeah, yeah. Actually, she liked know, one of her first solo albums I think I picked up. You know, I had a huge crush on her. So it Well, was, she uh, was in a band before that. She was actually the first drummer for the Germs. <laughs> oh, really? I wouldn't shit you, man. That's okay, awesome. The first gig you saw? Um, It was a local show. I think it was a local Battle of the Bands here in Billings. So it was kind of the who's who of the Billings scene when I was 14 years old. Okay. And are you on guitar by then? Um, I was playing, I think so. I think I was playing guitar, you know, just like jamming with friends. Well, I this wasn't one, I ask you, after school, not like graduate, but in the afternoon with the basement band, the, the garage band, bedroom band, did you do that stuff with your buddies? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We had a band called Green Dirt. Um, <laughs> And played like, you know, we were, my buddy was really big into SST records and CZ oh, wow. records and that stuff. And so we played a lot of covers, had a few of our own songs, but uh, mostly covered like Mud Honey and some early like grindcore stuff like Terrorizer and, you know, so. Yeah, the Green River, nothing to do with Green Dirt, but uh, they had Jeff, who's, uh, he's more in the West, right? Big Sandy or something, a little town. That, Yep, 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 up above Missoula somewhere. Right, right, or maybe north. <laughs> or maybe it's floating in the air. They say that here in Pedro. If it's, if it's closer to the hill, it's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not west or east, right? It's, it's up, <laughs> you know, because they got to, like, pound in the class <laughs> structure or something. Like like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just trip on that. <laughs> Semantics, you know. Like, some dudes, you know what really gets me is music guys saying and they won't use the word practice you know they got to rehearse you know like actors and you know i'm thinking of a basketball play i'm going to go down to the gym and you know rehearse some shots, you know? <laughs> come on <laughs> well that's kind of like a friend of mine pointed out to me the other day you know lawyers and doctors are already always practicing law and medicine. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. why do you think they're practicing you know if they get it wrong right why do you think they're practicing they need more I, I, you know, I, th I think practice means you put it into use and rehearses like you're actually like fake doing it, right? Correct. Yeah, that would be my assumption. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One time I was a part of this benefit in the prac pad was up in Hollywood. I think it was a dance thing because one bulkhead was all mirrors and I turned around. <laughs> These guys, and it was like, you know, Dallas Taylor and uh, Ray Manzanarek, Randy California. <laughs> These guys, you know, so I was finally the youngest guy in the band and uh, I just couldn't do it. But they were actually rehearsing. Yeah, big time. Remember Ray showing me the writer on the storm, you know, because there's a left-hand thing on the keyboard, right? Yeah. Wow, look at that. They got a button for each note. So uh, <laughs> were you involved in the comp uh, composition of those songs that you did in Green Dirt? You know, I I came up with the bass line. Mostly it was uh, my buddy Jim, who was the guitar player. You know, he came up with most of them. I was writing stuff myself on the side, but I think for the most part, you know, he was kind of the main force. We did a lot of jamming, too. It was just kind of like improving type stuff. We never played shows, you know, maybe dubbed a you know, couple of cassettes. You never did any gigs. It was like, yeah, like me and D Boone. You just did it to be with him, yeah. 
Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was People our way forget of... about that shit. You know, sometimes it's just something to be with friends, you know, to be <laughs> like or Raymond Pettibone was telling me, you know, Ben should be about friends playing together. <laughs> you know what? Oh, absolutely. Kind of... <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, if you don't have that, what do you got? You well, know? you got, uh, uh, you, you know, you win the sucker boy lotto. I guess you got a business arrangement. <laughs> exactly. I remember exactly. being with my buddy Tone at the Anaheim Stadium, and it was Animals Tour, and the, the Pink Floyd, four black limousines, right? Each dude. <laughs> we could see it, right? Because we we're like 5,000 feet up, and uh, saw it drive up. And, uh, yeah, business arrangement. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get at, like, what led you to this music that you flowed me, you know? So uh, it's righteous that you had a trumpet and a bass. Now, now, uh, kind of bass, you can't really, you can play some chords. God, Walk on the Wild Side's got a bitchy tenth. But uh, the monophonic thing, uh, when does the electron, you know, this, uh, well, let's get past school. Do you go into higher education for music? You know, I wanted to. I, I looked into that, and all the schools that I could afford around here pretty much taught teaching, you know, and I wanted to be more on the performance side of things. And sure. so it really wasn't jiving with me. And I figured what I want to do musically, I can do without student debt loan, you know, loan debt. <laughs> So I I never went to college. I, I decided just to do School of Hard Knocks and blue collar it up my whole life and, you know, do music that I'm, I'm passionate about. So, um, you know, that way you ain't compromised. Yeah. Let the freak flag yeah, fly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, playing bass as I was learning it, I noticed that what I kind of wanted to do with it was a little more out there. The bassists I was kind of getting into were a little more out there. And, you know, my friends, as much as I love them, were going down different musical paths. And so it when happens. I kind of... <laughs> it happens. It does, yeah. And, and so when I found kind of the music that spoke to me, I realized I could do it kind of solo, you know, and, sure. and so... Which is trippy because the whole idea of the bass is like, especially the politics, I believe, of bass. You look good making the other cats look good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you and the drummer are dialed in. Right, and... right, right. That's why they make us all stupid and shit, because they know where the power is. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> look, you gave me this music here, Barrett One, and I want to get into this uh, acronym band, okay? <laughs>
When we got back to the island with its pinch brown face, the soul it Back to the island with its pinch brown face, soul it What does quarantine mean when you can't get home? And why do I ask you when I know you do not Fishes on the streets, all the women that had behind their flat screens. You can make out their faces, and I know you can't see. There's a graveyard that's waiting just outside of town, and the church has to flesh out the skeleton of your man. Of your, of your Thank you. 
Beaver, that chunk of music started off with PCRV with Barrett One. And then we had Hack uh, Picciato. Yeah, they got a brand new album out of Berlin, The, the Watered Garden. Someone called the Doctor, uh, SLWCC Watt. It's a collab I got with Sam Lock Warden. It's over in Iowa City. Uh, from our cassette EP, but <laughs> like a 10 minute cassette with 50 songs. Bombas <laughs> yeah. Prendon, Finger Wrestling with the Devil. Uh, springtime with the island. That's got Jim White, incredible drummer man from Australia. Uh, Juice, Scotch Rolex featuring MC Yala. Scotch Rolex, uh, brother Shige. He went to Uganda and collaborated with some cats there. Excellent music. And then finally, again, PCRV, Huntington. So you got to hit me to this PCRV. It's an acronym, or am I pronouncing it wrong? Nope, nope, you're right. No, so when I initially came up with the project, it was Pop Culture Rape Victim. <laughs> okay, of course. Um, you know, like my take on a media's, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, unwarranted influence on us and yeah, over burned, the years. You burned an image, you branded an image on my brain. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, over the years, it kind of got misconstrued. And, you know, understandably, like the rape victim became more of the focus. And I think people saw it as more misogynistic and kind of a uh, little more toxic sounding than I thought it was supposed to be. So over the years, I just kind of reduced it down to PCRV and kind of liked it and stuck with it. So it doesn't really have the meaning it used to, but at the same time, it 
you can plug other things in like me and my friend who you interviewed crank sturgeon yes uh, we came yeah yeah uh we came up with like please consider republican values so when you know (laughs) we're we're playing more right-leaning states you know we can (laughs) lean on that one so work the room work the room exactly exactly you know, i think there's a, a serbian band called pc mkmn or something there's an at four letter and pc are their first two letters but it's probably uh, serbian uh it used to be called serbia serbio croatian but don't tell anybody gotcha <laughs> but uh i got to meet the guy when i played in belgrade but i played a lot of their music uh and interesting i think more of a collective uh, in and out members with one point yeah but oh Okay, so how'd this, uh, you know, the, uh, Gordon and uh, uh, Violent Femmes told me that they had that problem, too. So the, yeah, words can get misconstrued. Now, if my bike is a pipe bomb, you know, trying to get across the border with that band name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tougher these days. Yeah, you know? yeah, I mean, yeah. Spotsky was playing with those guys. I think they're Pensacola. But uh, how did how how did it come about? It's it's kind of this thing where man, I don't need a band. I got to do this music thing, man alone. Yeah, you know, I was I was reading a magazine called Esoteric, um, you know, which had articles by like Alan Moore and you know those kind of things, so occult kind of stuff. And um, they had an article about Mersbo uh, noise dude and. Yeah, yeah, I just saw his setup with like all these pedals on the table and making this very aggressive, strange music. And I, you know, not really knowing about the music yet, but just seeing this kind of image of somebody being very self-reliant kind of spoke to me. And and I was getting into pedals with my bass guitar, you know, already. And so I figured, well, let's take the bass guitar out of the equation and, and see what oh. I can do strictly <laughs> with with which you know i still play bass but i mean most of my stuff's not no, bass <laughs> you know oriented anymore but uh so that's kind of how it started was just a you know my first cdr was called a means to a beginning and that's kind of how i saw it it was like this was a solution to a problem i was having the problem was you had sounds in your head that you weren't getting with the stuff you were using absolutely and then the people i knew so yeah, right it's, okay know, another scene yep yep so i mean let's yeah, so I kind of just went from there and learned as I went on, as, oh, as we probably, all do. It was probably connects with people outside of Billings. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, over time, I found, you know, individuals here. But, yeah, I was jumping on the Internet and Googling or whatever, you know, noise music and, and finding people and can, can trading tapes. Can I ask you about and, one cat, Al Margolis? You know, I only know him by name. I don't personally, I've never met him, but... Uh, but I, when you said I mean, CDR, he had this pogum, right? Because he first started with the, in the 80s with uh, cassette culture, right? And then they moved on to CDRs. So mm-hmm. That's why I asked that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I kind of went, I feel like I kind of went backwards in some respects because I started with CDRs and then went to cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think cassettes are, are com- coming back in a way, man. Now, I oh, got, absolutely. I got thousands because in the old days of touring, this is what you played. In fact, I never had an air conditioner in the boat, right, until the 90, 1990 Econoline. So you have the windows <laughs> rolled down. 
And these motherfuckers are like 110, 115 dB. You'd be, a tour would like beat the shit out of you more than playing the gigs and stuff, just <laughs> trying to listen to cassettes. So I got all these cassettes, you know, the little holders and all that shit. I, they were all from tour. And so you'd hear these things on the tour so much that you never wanted to listen at home maybe so much. But uh, interesting, a medium. I think the industry was against it because, uh, and they made theirs inferior quality because you could record your own. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like the eight track. There were some eight track recorders, but not much. Okay, so your first CDR. Now, where'd you record it? In your own pad? I did, yeah. I had a little four track uh, tape recorder. Yeah, that was the funny thing is I recorded it on tape, but then I, you know, dubbed it onto a computer and burned discs of it. So, yeah, it was just in my bedroom, you know, sitting on the floor with a bunch of guitar pedals and a microphone and. And how did you envision the album? Was it like a collection of tunes or was it one big piece? Um, it was various pieces, you know, three to five minute tracks. You know, it. I didn't really all I knew was I wanted it to be very aggressive, really heavy. And, you know, I I consider myself an experimentalist. So I was just playing with ideas. I didn't really have a vision of, about it. Um Outside of I wanted to do this. Yeah, you wanted to learn by doing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I, yeah. I like heavy, aggressive music, so that, that kind of stuff was definitely, you know, inspiring me to, to see what I could do. Maybe with, Throb and Gristle? You know, uh, years later. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, for the most part, I, I listened to Duran Duran and prog rock, and I mean, it's all weird, you know, stuff to me, but... You know, um, the Mare's Bow guy, I'll, t I'll tell you. Uh, Atsuo, the drummer for Boris, told, told me he's done, they've done some collabs. And he said, that guy's way into Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. Uh, you know, music is music. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot of connections between, like, psychedelic rock and prog rock and <laughs> what we're doing. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. December 12, 20, 2021 edition. Watt Peter's special guest, Matt Taggart. Hold tight for hour two. December 12, 2021. Second hour, Watt for Peter's show.
Black for Pedro show. Start off the second hour. Lure. Cope. That sounds like a trippy, speaking of, you know, uh, uh, strange words next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bootstrappers. But this is the version after the one me and Georgie were in uh, from Elliot Sharp. Elliot Sharp's got the greatest music name in, in, the, in the racket, okay? Right? Because if you want to abbreviate, right? F. Okay. Seize the moment. <laughs> Bootstrappers. Uh, Sluga Pokorni, which is obedient servant in uh, English. Thank you. Uh, uh, this is Slovene, huh? A little different interpretation. Live at Club Coca and Split. Oh, but this is Dalmatia. Coast. Croatia. 2015. Trobakova, Kushna, Pesh. And then Benol with your smiling face. Finally, 073021. I don't, I don't, yeah. By lure. I thought it was a date, but then, fuck, how could, yeah, the 21st to 30, or 30 and 20, wow. You're going to have to hip us, uh, Matt, to this um, lure project, please. Uh, so lure kind of came out of PCRV. Um, it's more of the, I don't know, ideas I didn't think existed with PCRV, PCRV being more like the harsh noise kind of stuff of mine. Um, lure was more of the kind of modular synth stuff that I was getting into in the last six years. And so I oh, figured because, uh, PCRV, it was the pedal thing on the table, right? Correct. Correct. And, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I wanted to ask you by space, like an asshole, um, or forgetful person, what was the source? What was you feeding into the pedals? Um, typically a small metal box with bolts. Um, or change that's, you know, has a contact mic on contact it. So mic. Okay, I understand. yeah, shaker box. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the, kind of, at the real kind beginning, of a, you used a bass guitar, right? And then you went on. To, okay. Bass. Yeah. Sheet metal, you know, I played with different sounds, but yeah, kind of all narrowed down into a shaker box from okay. that point and on. Then, and so lure, you're actually, the front end is synths. You're, you're the, the sources of sounds. Correct. Correct. Yep. 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 So when I was able to start, uh, pay, you know, buying those things, afford those things, that's kind of where the direction shifted. And I just figured it needed a new identity. So. Yeah. And you did you, the, the, the entry drug, <laughs> the gateway. It's not keyboard. Yeah. It's not keyboard synth. You know what I mean? Which what like fake strings or whatever shit trumpet. <laughs> yeah. Which Remember I never had. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Duran Duran used. You know, I got to meet the bass man, big man for England, you know, uh, John Taylor. He oh, good. amazing bassist. Yeah, and good cat, big man. And he, uh, he lives in SoCal. I met him at a John, uh, Jonathan Lethem book thing that he had me come to. And really kind guy. But uh, but that's the trip, right? What is the source? It's almost like pay no attention to that man behind the curtain because at the end of the day, it's what's coming out of, the, you know, what the listener gets. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Uh, and. For me, I mean, it's, I'm always trying to, I don't really have sounds in my head. Again, I'm, I'm trying to like come up with these ideas and seeing what's happens. You know, it's like chance operation or, um, you know, experimental. Uh, so you're setting up situations. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like, you know, getting into like the kind of the sixties, experimental composers some of them yeah it was more about like oh if i do this and this what happens what's yeah, the right. result so 
that always fascinated me. A little Petri dish uh, rock. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you gave me some more lore here. Locking point. Let's listen. You know, George Hurley inspired me. You know, sometimes just come up with an aphorism and you explain everything. Better than a picture. <laughs> like, absolutely. Uh, uh, here's one of his. Uh, we're off air now, but uh, one one arm shadow boxing. You can imagine what that was. <laughs> Georgie, very uh, creative guy. Or if he'd see somebody picking his ass, he'd go, hand puppet.
Hot for Pedro show. That chunk of music started off Lure with Locking Point. And then My Daddy Ate My Eyes with She Is for Catholicism. Cedric Noel off his new record, Allies. Allies, sorry. And then It's Within Reach by Lure. Didn't put apostrophe there. Sorry. So, uh, you know, let's talk about these tunes. Let, let, let's go back to the PCRV thing. Uh, crowded and deep cuts to the... What, like, when did, did the titles come first? You know, titles come second for me. I uh, I never thought I was really good at making titles. And so a lot of them are the first thing that pops into my head. You know, I don't really work them very hard. Now, when you say um, pops in your head, you mean after you've done it and you listen to it again. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I'm trying to always find something that's relatively uh, ambiguous, too. You know, titles that you maybe can derive multiple meaning from, too. Yeah, I remember playing with a band in the city. Not interesting music, but the band, they were called Uncle Bob Touched Me. And, and there's nothing dirty there, but there's an image. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wish the music would have matched the inventiveness of the title of the, of the band. Thing. So, 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 crowded and deep cuts to the arms. That's kind of ambiguous. But it's Absolutely. Kinda, but it's kind of funny. It's kind of like very vivid because like, I've done this. I remember one time playing with an with building models and exacto and I've cut my hand up like four in the morning. And I had to wake my mom, take me to the dispensary here. The army base was here and uh, she almost puked, man. The whole hand opened up. Jeez Louise. I opened up, ma, ma. Yeah, she said, Michael Watt. What is it? I said, I don't know, but you better look. When she turned that lamp on, <laughs> it was all my good things. So that's what I thought of. You know, I, I relate. When I hear, I hear other people's expressions or see, you know, paintings or whatever, read books, I put myself into it. Like I'm with Virgil and Dante, you know. I'm on the yeah. fucking raft with Jim and Huck, you know. Okay, Huntington. Like HB down here? Mm-hmm. Well, and so on that loop, it sounds like the loop is saying Huntington. Okay. And that's why I kind of named it that one, because it's. Okay, okay, okay. Because, you know, yeah. there, there's a. It, he, the, the, the railroad guy was a real asshole. He tried to put the fucking harbor in Santa Monica where he had a mile of wharf he already bought. But his stepson, I think, the Huntington Library, and so, right? They got the big turd planters. It smells like shit or something. But it's got a lot of good stuff. It shows you the. Do, Duplicity and duality, humans. And Barrett one is something to do with Brother Sid. Um, your guess is as good as mine. Okay, okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Sid Barrett fan, and I, I, I recommend the Rob Chapman book on him. Uh, uh, some irregular sized head or some shit. Because the argument he was not uh, crazy; he just didn't want to be in the mercy scene. Okay, yeah. so so that's what it is. Okay, so. You set up a situation, you capture it, almost like a photographer. You, Well, some photographers set up shots, especially with people. But somebody out in the wild or somebody or somebody with sound stuff, soundscape, right? You're trying to just get ready. Well, the way I take pictures, I'm just ready to try to capture the shot if it comes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my stuff is one-take recordings. I, I don't do a lot of – well, now I do. But back then and a lot of the stuff I sent you, it's all done in real time and – 
you know, minimal editing. And so, yeah, it's setting it up, see how it sounds. If I like it, let's stick with it. And well, Does some stuff know. become like spine and then you add flesh? And... It, it can, yeah. And that's something I've been playing with more um, over the years than I did when I first started. And I think because I have the tools that I can do it now that I'm happy with, you know, but in the early days and, you know, a lot of the stuff I sent you is kind of spans a pretty, you know, wide you know time frame of my, what i've been doing and so um you know it's i always wanted to make music that sounded like it was edited but it was all done in real time i i kind of like that concept of um because a lot of the people i enjoy listening to are like free improv guys like Derek bailey and that kind of stuff oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know they're they're in the moment it's and you know, so that's that kind of that's that's an interesting coincidence because in that book, they, uh, it should bear a big influence on him. AAM, Keith Rowan, the guy that played the guitar on the table, you know. And, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Great Derek, stuff. And Derek Bailey got, was influenced by this cat, right? Or comes oh, yeah. out of that scene kind of. Now this hopeful thing, like now I got the stuff, and then a title like it's in, it's within reach. Yep, yep. And, you know, if it was up to me, I don't even know if I would title most of my stuff. I think I have to do it out of necessity. So whoever's yeah, yeah, listening but, but to it has a reverence. That title kind of puts a little, you know, summation on this kind of thing where you are now, even though the stuff's from your older days. Look, we're at the end of hour two, December 12, 2021, Dishwat Peter Show. Special guest Matt Taggart. Hold tight for hour three. December 12, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
for Pedro Show. Started third hour off with PCRV, The Road to Rune. Then Jess Joy, Apple of His Eye. Now, I got to tell you, people, Rune, R-U-N-E, right? A little pun rock. And then Apple of His Eye, right? Personal pronoun. Mm-hmm. The only letter that Watt don't like lowercase. It's just <laughs> that, yeah. It's to me like a uh, power trio without a bass. That poor lonely kick drum. Okay, you got more room in the boat. Fuck it. And K2, <laughs> the horizon is so black. And then PCRV, crackle, trackle. <laughs> Great, trackle. Is that a word? Yeah, it is now. And, it and, is. And, and we went backwards, right? Now, because now we're back in PCRV world. Yep. Because I think I went by the length of the song. <laughs> I think I didn't know how to sequence, I didn't know the chronology. Which is all kind of fine. I mean, it all exists simultaneously. It's, you know. And where were you at this point with the PCRV? Right now? No. When you did the Road to Rune and Crackle Trackle. Oh, geez. It was right back. Okay. Well, I think it was six years ago, something like that. So it was kind of where I was shifting into lure. So it was definitely... uh, you know, I was coming to a, a bridge, a crossroad that I was, you know, finding new stuff. So, and what what about PCRV gigs? So I still I still perform. I mean, PCRV live was kind of where it was at for me. That's where it existed, you know, in its most pure, you know, purest form. Just really loud, aggressive, energetic, noisy, you know. Um, are you saying you did gigs before that that, that CDR you t- uh, mentioned earlier? No, you know, a couple of them, you know, just locally at like art walks or something like that. Um, but nothing nationally. But then it, you worked up a tour? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Me and Crank Sturgeon toured for, oh gosh, years and years and years together once we met each other. And so me and him would go on the road for a couple of weeks every year for six seven years you know yeah and, and is your thing kind of portable you don't really need a van a boat no we drove in our my little you know i think i had like a dodge espresso uh two-door you know four-cylinder car so we were pretty you know backpack and uh, maybe a pedal board and that's about it so yeah, great man <laughs> you know, they are making smaller bass amps but what else? and the poor drummers you know the dude in the rear with all the gear Oh yeah, which I used to be in bands that toured, and yeah, I mean lugging that stuff in and yeah. out every night—that's a—that's a lot of work. And so, I love this kind of reductionist, you know, attitude that noise had. It's absolute, you know, absolute. You know what I mean? On a lot of levels, it says we're going to define ourselves. We don't have to live up to some fucking paradigm, wherever that word is, from a, yeah. a, a fucking Nuremberg rally arena rock. Jesus Christ! Look. Uh, let me ask you, since performance was the strong thing, uh, I don't know, inspirer for you then, uh, was it any, uh, did you mix uh, media? Did you bring lights or a trippy costume? <laughs> they, Jake Rodriguez you know, called it the costume noise scene that he was part of in the Bay Area. You know, I really didn't. It was just me and my pedals up on stage and, and let the sound do the talking. Over the years, I got more into performance art kind sides you know crank uh crank is a real costumes, huge influence right? crank is big time he is costumes, yeah yeah i mean i don't know if he would consider himself like 
costume noise, but he definitely <laughs> has an identity that he represents with, you know, certain headpieces and, sure, and stuff. Sure. And But I got into kind of doing more performance arty stuff with my noise being the backdrop. Um, and a lot of that depended on kind of what I was playing at. If we were playing more artsy kind of gallery shows, that would probably be the angle I would do. And if we were just playing basement noise shows, it would just be my pedals and a loud PA. So it, I played around with things. Uh, you know, sometimes I didn't do any noise and I would just write like performance scores and have the audience help me actualize them. So Whoa, interesting. Yeah, here's uh, Rubin and Don Peel. Let's listen.
music for this edition. Rubbin' and Donned Appeal, PCRV, and then James Twig Harper and Rubber O Cement with Tumor Grave and Nephropathy. And then finally, Lure with Exercise for Benjolin. Did I get that right? You did, yep. Okay. Right on the nose. And so, was this the most recent stuff? Because this was Lure, right? It is, yeah. Probably the lure stuff would be in the last year and a half that I sent you. So, and I think that one's probably four or five months old. The the Benjolin one. Now, uh, you know, this is great it's, with the movement, especially people. Cats and bands made their own labels. Brother Matt here, he uh, he's got. It's named after a movement in the '60s. People that was about happening. It's kind of what like he was saying his gigs were. And uh, you want to talk about it, Matt? That your Fluxus MT. Yeah, you know, uh, oh gosh, Flaxes. how many years? I should yeah, so MT, a couple it's of, just Fluxus, I'm sorry. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, me and Crank were on tour, and I only had CDRs for sale, and I remember we were in Nashville, and I was like, hey, you know, some kid's looking at my albums, and he's like, oh, I only buy cassettes, which I thought was kind of counterproductive. There's so much great music on all different formats, but um Anyway, so when I got back from tour, I was like, you know, maybe I'll stop doing CDRs and start doing cassettes. And so I put together this label, Fluxus Montana, because um, I've had an interest in that. Uh, oh, Fluxus. that's what that's what that's a coincidence. The state initials are the same as your initials. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my pop, yeah, it's my all pop would have said that. Yeah, it was no accident, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, serendipitous, I guess, you know. But, uh, so people, um, it is Flexus MT. Okay. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of got got in touch with a bunch of more contemporary kind of Fluxus artists who were all inspired by the 60s scene. And um, so that was kind of an, like a 
offshoot of my interests was doing like mail art shows and, you know, performances and happenings and that kind of stuff. And so I just tied it in with my label because um, in the Fluxus community, they would break themselves down regionally. So there was like Midwest Fluxus and Fluxus West and New York. And, you know, they kind of identified themselves regionally. And so I figured, hell, why not, you know, identify myself as Montana? Um, sort of like professional wrestling territories. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Less speedos. But then but yeah, fucking, same. yeah, Vince McMahon ruined, Jr. ruined all that. But that, Oh, hell that yeah, hell yeah. Be, so, yeah, right? But so, yeah, it's been a label that I've, you know, put out my stuff, put out some friends stuff. I, you know, my output's not massive. You know, I kind of keep it to a minimum. And yeah. Uh, yeah, when the mood strikes, I'll put something out on cassette or I've done CDs and a few other, you know, a lot of digital format stuff, but, uh, give people you know. the, give people the URL, please. Oh, it's uh pcrv.bandcamp.com would be the best one. Okay. That's great. Check it out. And uh, a lot of good stuff. And right now you're working on lure. I am. I am. I just finished up a full length for a label called love earth music out of Massachusetts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Got a couple of PCRV albums I'm working on, um, slowly. Okay, so that's ongoing. Yeah, you did mention that. It yeah. still is. Yep, yep. It is. It's n not as active as it used to be, but you know, uh, the fire's underneath my butt, and I kind of want to rekindle it a little more than I used to. So, and collabs, obviously with Crank, right? But do, what about recorded collabs? Um, the one that I've done, you know, not a ton of them. Um. Worked with this guy named Jason Soliday out of Chicago. Um, me and Blake from Vertonin have done uh, some collabs. Blake, Blake Edwards. Yep, 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 yep. He's great a good cat. friend of mine. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was on the show. Yeah, great episode. Oh, man, yeah. And he took care of Zev. Mm. What a, a beautiful, yeah. I, I saw Zev in the 70s, you know. That's when, to me, punk was whatever you got up on stage. There was no style at all. The way it should Maybe be. That's yeah, well, yeah. That anarchy wasn't supposed to be just a slogan. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a decoration for the shirt. It's so great to have you on. When you get these projects done, please come back on the show, brother Matt. Would love to, man. Okay, truly. Um, keep on keeping on, people. It's been December twelfth, twenty twenty one, and this Wap Peter show. Keep your powder dry.